Lady leaders, I want to introduce you to my guest, Cassie Bailey. She served 18 years in the Army before being diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer, and she's here to tell us that story. Thank you, Cassie. All right, Cassie. Uh, thank you for coming on the Military Woman's Podcast today. Uh, I just would like you just to give a little background about yourself, like where you're from, and uh, a little bit about your military career. Hi, Sharika. Thank you for having me today. Um, my name is Cassie Bailey. I am currently uh, retired from the military. Um, I am I'm originally from uh, Wichita, Kansas, joined the Army as an enlisted soldier, served as a combat medic and LPN. Um, I later uh, commissioned to become a um, registered nurse and Army Nurse Corps officer. Um, my last duty station, I, or sorry, I, I was a critical care nurse. Um, I got certified as a critical care nurse and then later applied for anesthesia school uh, with the USAGPAN program. Um, later on, while I was enrolled in that program, I was given a medical diagnosis in which I was later medically discharged from the Army. Okay, all right. So you've had how, when, what year was it that you joined the military? Oh, I joined the military in 2003. Okay. 2003. And, and you retired? Uh, yep, just last year in um, July. Okay, so about 17 years in. And so you were in school that I heard, the CRNA program, um, the long-term schooling program through the, the Army, and you were diagnosed. Um, so do you mind talking about what you were diagnosed with? Yes. Um, after several um, doctor's visits for kind of vague symptoms, um, mostly back pain, hip pain. Um, I was later on diagnosed with uh, stage four metastatic breast cancer with metastasis to my bone. So that was a, a big surprise for me. Okay, wow. So stage four, um, you've had a couple of doctor's visits uh, for just random kind of back pain, nothing related to breast at all like chest issues were you know like nothing in that area that would say oh maybe I should do a you know exam or something like that so um as far as symptoms to be clear I'm sorry <laughs> well co correct well well not in recent years so uh -huh. um looking back four years well not not four years now about six years from now, um, I gave birth to my son. And during that time, right after I gave birth, I was breastfeeding. And I visited the doctor because I had redness and tenderness around my breast and a small little nodule. Mm. So when I was breastfeeding, or when I went to go see the doctor, I was told that uh, you know, I was diagnosed with mastitis. Okay. Yeah. So, which is a common thing for um, breastfeeding moms. Mm -hmm. um, I later, I mean, I inquired that day. I was like, so what about the little nodule? Um, and I was basically told that um, with the mastitis, um, that sometimes the inflammation can cause scar tissue underneath. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've never been pregnant before. This is my first child. Mm -hmm. And that's what I understood to be true. I was told to keep an eye on it. So mind you, uh, later on, I, I breastfed for about 14 months. Okay. And um, over that time, my, my breasts got larger. Mm -hmm. um, that nodule went away. So 
I, I didn't feel it anymore. I did check it quite frequently. Didn't feel that anymore. Um, there was no other um, scans to be done. And even on follow-up, um, you know, it was just still with the understanding that it was mastitis. Okay. So basically there was nothing that was unusual in your breast at all. Correct. Okay. Wow. I mean, that's, that's crazy. So how old were you when you were diagnosed? So I was 34 years old when I was diagnosed. 34. Um, and you were how old when you started bre- breastfeeding? I was 30 years old when I started breastfeeding. Okay. So good four so, years later. Right. I was right on the cusp. I, I know they say um, women over the age of 30 um, usually have a higher incidence of having breast cancer if they are, they don't give birth to any children. But, but you gave um, birth, you were able mm-hmm. to breastfeed. Do you have any family history of, you know, anyone with breast cancer or any type of cancer? So I um, do not have any um family history on my mother's side. And mm-hmm. when I asked several providers, um, they said they get more, cons- they get concerned about um, family history when it comes from the maternal side. So from my mom's side, I had no family history. Um, my dad's sister did have um, breast cancer, I think stage one, and it was removed. And that that information um, across the board from the doctors didn't seem to be um, as important. Okay. And so for any non-medical listeners, so Cassie had breast cancer that had actually expanded to the bone. Um, So the cancer was not localized anymore. So in bone cancer, Cassie, I mean, how common is that? I mean, is that common at all? Um, people can have um, the cancers metastasized to the bone, from <laughs> breast to bone. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's not as, well, I won't say it's not as prevalent. Actually, um, I was told that the cancer usually has an affinity to bone. They either go to the bone or they like to go to liver or lungs. So, um my type of cancer, which is um, actually feeds off of hormones, estrogen and progesterone, mm-hmm. um, it, it liked my bone. And um, I, am, I am told that um, of the metastasis types going to the bone, I guess, could have been, I guess, the best outcome because of the treatment um, options, the different ways that you can approach to wall off the cancer in the bone. Okay. Okay. Wow. I mean, I, you know, I'm a nurse and I still don't have that much knowledge in cancer. It's just, you know, just, yeah, we'll get to treatment. So that's, I mean, that's, that's a good thing. Um, I hope (laughs) for for you. So, so you went to the doctor, let's go back to your diagnosis. You went to the doctor a couple of times. So how did they finally detect it? And I guess what was that? I don't know that red flag. Well, let's do more tests. You know what I mean? So yeah, my my story gets a little confusing because it's so weird because um, I, of course I kept going in for um, hip and back pain, which is something that Mm -hmm. is very common for, you know, people, (laughs) <laughs> getting older and with yeah, wear and tear yes. being in the military. So that's like one of the most common complaints. Right. Um, I did um, go back numerous times. And so my care regimen plan of care was physical therapy. Um, I saw a chiropractor. Um, and then of course, some oral medications to help with the pain or relaxation of the muscles around. But it just seemed like none of that was working. And um, I kept going back and I said, it, it, it's not working. I need, I, I don't know what's next. So um, I requested for an MRI and um, the order was put in eventually. But in between that time, I actually 
had to go to the emergency room when studying. I was writing on the whiteboard and I just got the worst painful sensation in my, my back that um, had me in tears and I was on the floor. So I went to the emergency room. Um, let's see, for then um, I was treated with steroids that helped a little bit. Um, and then because I wasn't priority, the MRI again was a, a delayed factor. Um, I believe within the next week or so or two weeks while I was waiting, that's when I noticed a, a um, not, well, actually I was taking a shower and I noticed pain when I lifted up my arm. Um, and that is one of the most, um, you know, in the shower is when people, women normally um, diagnose or self-exam themselves to notice any type of nodules because you're bathing, that's the perfect time. You have the right slippage. You can put your arm up over your head. Um, and that's the usually the best way to detect a lump. And um, from then I went straight back to my doctor again. And that's when... Um, he put me in for, uh, ordered an ultrasound and a mammogram. Okay, so you found the lump. So basically, you couldn't even raise your arm at this point. After mm -hmm. having tremendous pain in your back, you're on medications, you're now, you know, taking a shower, you're having pain, and you're doing a self-exam, and you notice right. a lump. And then that's when you're like, well, let me go back in. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, and now a mammogram has been ordered. And, and that's when it was detected? Correct. Okay. And still haven't had an MRI yet? Correct. Okay. Um, and so in, you're, you're in the classroom, right? You are a student doing one of the hardest programs. Uh, was there a time I'm, that you reached out that you were like to one of either, you know, your professors or another student was like, man, I'm having these pains. And someone might have thought, like, you're just really stressed out, you know, from school or something. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, of course, um, <laughs> going through that type of program, it is extremely stressful. And um, I went to the doctor a lot. And honestly, it, there was a point where you start to doubt yourself um, because you know, people start accusing you of malingering. And it wasn't from everyone. It was, it was just from certain staff members. It just kind of got uncomfortable. <laughs> I'll just yeah. say. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I can imagine. I mean, in the same thing, right? You're going in from, for a common um, symptom of hip you know, pain and things like that. So at some point of time, maybe even one of your providers, I don't know, it's just assuming, but right. that, that seems to be a complaint by a lot of military, you know, people who see their healthcare providers that, you know, they weren't taken seriously at first. Yep, yep. definitely. I, I will say that. I, I will say that I, I felt like I wasn't t being taken seriously. And... um. At one point I did, you know, you go to sick hall and I did see another provider and, you know, that particular provider ordered a different exam. Um, they ordered x-rays, you know, to, to be done that day, um, which is, you know, something. Um, and then additional labs, because at the same time, I was like, I just don't feel well. I don't feel well. Um, I was like, can you just run a full cell labs? And um, I think by that time, when the labs were um, ordered, I think that same day or the, the next day or something, I actually was scheduled to get my um, ultrasound. And I did notify um, someone who I did, one of my, the XO of the anesthesia program, who I felt comfortable talking to and I explained to her what was going on with me and um she was very kind and offered to be there with me 
and um, it was just, it, at that time, I just felt, I was like, this is just something I need to do by myself. <laughs> I just need to find out. But she was there for me. Um, so you mean, as far as what, do what by yourself, like go through this whole diagnosis? Like at this point oh. in time, you weren't diagnosed or like you were diagnosed, but you just felt like you had to. So no, no, no. This is the, the ultrasound going oh, okay. into ultrasound. So this is why it gets you. confusing. Cause I went from like literally doctor to doctor to exam. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, I was like literally doing something every day and I actually was missing class work. And, um, so at that point they were, you know, she was being very supportive and just like, I understand. Um, and that day when I got my ultrasound, the radiologist said, hey, I see some nodules that are very concerning and I think we need to do a biopsy today. So um, that was a very scary moment. Um, and she gave me some time and I went and got the biopsy done and they gave me the results back and I, I believe within a week. Oh, wow. So I'm sure you were very nervous all week, still going to class, I imagine, and yeah. just waiting for these results. Right. So, I mean, so as devastating as it was to get those results, was there also like a feeling of, I, I would hate to say relief, but it's like, okay, now I know, you know, I, now I know the cause of all this pain that I've been going through. Yes. Yes. It, it definitely was. Um, because I had had pain for quite some time and like from do like, this is from duty station to duty station, like from mm -hmm. Hawaii to Korea and then Fort Sam from PCSing. And it was just such a long time. And I never imagined that it would be breast cancer. So it, it definitely was a relief and it was just, ultimate ultimately shocking so uh, oh man i yeah so it's so you have this news i'm um yeah this is hard even to listen to um you have this news so what what's next i mean where did you go what did you do who did you call you know everyone's like keep your chain of command <laughs> in the know i mean was that the first person you called like your chain of command I mean, what, what was next the next step for you after the diagnosis um the first person i called was my husband and then um i called um, my exo who knew i was getting the exam and um i just so happened to be studying with friends well trying to fuck it focus to study <laughs> with friends and they were very supportive you know at the time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, being there for me um so the you know I was told to come back in to, to speak with the doctors the next thing they set up was a tumor board and the tumor board consisted of a radiology oncologist, a, a surgical oncologist, um, and then my primary oncologist, and I believe um, a breast navigator. Uh, she was a, a breast navigator nurse. And um, it was a, I, I don't know, you, I think you know the Goodmans, they, they're my good support system here. Um, they actually came to my appointment with me and um, so they, you know, just told me about the, at this point, I didn't know it was stage four, but they just told me about the way ahead. Um, they checked my lymphatics on um, fluid on the machine. Um, at this point, we were making plans. They said, so um, normally what we would do, we would plan for surgery um, and radiation. And then we talked about the recovery phase um, and, you know, what lies ahead. 
So at this point, you know, me being a nurse, I'm, I'm investigating and trying to get my search, my surgical team together, you know, of right, uh, right. providers that yeah. I know. And, um, so then later on, I was also told to get a PET scan. So, um, the PET scan is, I think it's called a positron emissions test. And that's what they use basically for anyone with, to detect cancer, um, in all various forms. And, um, so what they do is inject a radioactive iodine with in like a sugary solution. And when they say that cancer feeds off of sugar, it's so true. <laughs> um, so when they inject you with this um, dye, at that point, it was so bad that I felt the cancer. Like literally, <laughs> I felt pain, a burning wow. sensation where that dye was injected. Oh my. So um, after the results of the PET scan, it only took a day to result. Um, I was told that it was stage four because it was throughout my bones, my lymphatics, um, and actually throughout both breasts. And where I initially noticed the lump was in the left breast, that same breast um, <laughs> where I was told I had mastitis, the same location. Right. Okay. Um, so after that, I had to get a bone biopsy of, um, a spot in my lower back where there was a large cluster of cancer cells mm. and um, they needed to make sure that the type of cancer that was detected in my breast was also the same type that was in my bone and that it didn't mutate into a different form because okay. apparently that happens. <laughs> and then that's just a different treatment if it mutates? Yeah. Okay. So yes, yes, it would, um, it would, yes, that would determine what type of treatment plan, medications or treatment okay. plan they would have for me. Okay. So um, when I was told that I had stage four, I, um, of course, was heartbroken and felt like you know, I was, I was a little hopeful beforehand when I first was diagnosed with cancer because I even had plans. I was like, okay, I'm going to have my surgery this day. You know, you have your, your plans planned out. I'm going to um, take this time to recover over Thanksgiving break. And I'm going to do my classes over Zoom or well, not Zoom, but <laughs> um, FaceTime right. or whatever. Right. Um, so we were, you know, had all these plans, but the, it all changed when I found out it was stage four. Mm. Um, so my doctor said, because it was stage four and had metastasized, there was no point in getting the lesion removed from my breast. So I did not have surgery mm. because removing it from my breast would not help the fact that it could spread from my lymph nodes and, you know, my bone. Hmm. Um, and that, uh, radiation would, um, only be needed if the lesions grew larger and if they were too painful to bear. Um, I was also told that, um, you know, your typical, um, uh, chemotherapy medications, um, which are, cytotoxic drugs that that was no longer the treatment plan for me so at that point I'm, I'm like oh my gosh they're giving up on me and, and so at any point of time were you did you look for like a second opinion or did you have an opportunity to get a second opinion or was that even a thought in your mind so it was but at the same time, um, not, not really a second opinion, but maybe 
a second, a, not a second opinion about my diagnosis, but a second opinion on the treatment plan. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, I have cancer. They did biopsies. <laughs> it was confirmed. Um, you know, although my my family <laughs> was like, get a second opinion. He may not have cancer. <laughs> I'm like, it, it is. It is. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. You're like, I have the test. <laughs> right. um, uh, but they gave you the options for treatment, which was medications, but not even the type of medications like, you know, the chemo or was it radiology or not radiology, radiation. Right. So um, what I was, the, what they prescribed was oral chemo medications. Mm -hmm. um, and that this is what I take to this day. Um, oral chemo medications, I get a um, injection in my belly every three or every month I get bone strengtheners um, injections every three months and I am on also on hormone suppressants because my cancer fed feeds off of hormones um, one other thing that I did um, as soon as I was diagnosed was I removed birth control because, you know, it, even though um, no matter the form, they just say, just get rid of it. So, yes, I mean, the hormones, right. So mm -hmm. the birth, birth control potentially could have been helping my cancer grow. I mean, I can't mm -hmm. say that. I, I really don't know. Um, but then um, they did mention also the fact that I did breastfeed for so long that did help my heart, you know, keep my hormone levels down. Just like right. um, when you're breastfeeding, you know, you don't have your menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. um, so that was I actually that probably did delay the further growth for quite some time. Wow. Yeah. Um, so so you're you've been on medications for for how long now? So I was diagnosed in October. So Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I was diagnosed October 10th in 2018. Okay. So I've been on um, these the same medications for a little over two years. Okay. And what kind of side effects are you having from it? So um, the hormone suppressants, I don't, I'm basically in... Um, an induced menopause. So I don't have my menstrual cycle. Um, I'm not able to have any kids. Um, I, let's see, I think that those are the main side effects of that medication. Um, the oral chemotherapy meds, the issues that I um, have seen, it causes um, like paresthesias. And so I take gabapentin to help with that. And that's well managed. I also, um, let's see, the eyebrows. Um, I also have um, a side effect of that medication is joint pain. And so I've been having like a lot of knee and elbow pains, you know, so it's, it's hard to work out. I just have to I had to change the way I work out. There's no more like running, jogging them block. <laughs> um, um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, it, it just causes um, severe joint pain, just random joint pain. Um, and I didn't even realize that I had an issue with it until maybe about a year after I was taking it. But that is a common side effect. Wow. Um, a quick question. I know you said you're, you're no longer able to have any children at any time where you asked if you wanted any more kids before you went on the medication. And if you did uh, like freezing your eggs or anything like that. That is a great question. Cause I did leave that out. Um, they absolutely did. Um, before I got on, I did see an OBGYN doctor, a fertility doc. Um, 
to discuss my options. And unfortunately, because the, um, you, you know, in order to harvest the eggs, you know, the injections that you get, they're filled with hormones. And so it's, it would be like a catch 22. It'd be like, uh, I got you feeding the cancer to have right. a baby. <laughs> so, um, unfortunately that wasn't that a was good not. option. Right. And uh, so I know like hormones is a thing. And then when you said you were taking the, the tests, um, for the cancer and cancer, you said specifically cancer feeds on sugar. So have you had to change the way you eat? Or have you noticed eating one thing, you know, may make you feel worse than eating something else or anything like that? Yes, I, I have. Um, the funny thing is beforehand, um, when I would eat, I, I wasn't always, um, but occasionally when I did eat something sweet, I would get like a little pain in my belly, like it was just like a weird little pain and I could never attribute it to any, anything. Um, and I took that to the doctor, but you, I know that was so vague. <laughs> They're like, okay. <laughs> but, right. <laughs> it could be anything. <laughs> exactly. But it was, I mean, it was actually a, a cancer lesion. Um, so I, I bet I am, a, I've always been a foodie. And I've also um, battled with. Me too. (laughs) Yes. I've had my, like, even before my diagnosis, I've, like, tried, I've had, like, little bouts of being vegan here and there. Me too. And then I go back to eat. (laughs) (laughs) But um, actually, this time, um, I was like, I have to make uh, a change. And so... Um, I am vegan now. Um, I actually have a IG page. It's uh, Chronicles of a Cancer underscore on IG where I've started um, posting videos like just how being creative and cooking meals that are vegan. And, you know, ideally, like in the beginning, I was just like, I, I don't like salads and vegetables, all like that. <laughs> but you can get creative with it. And honestly, right. I'm actually loving it. I really uh-huh. do. So, it is. It's fun. I, I can never claim to be vegan, but mm-hmm. I do like a 20, 80, 20 percent being vegan. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it's hard. I mean, it takes a lot of dedication at first, you know, the learning curve is definitely there. So good for you. Um, I did look at one of your I think when you first put out for your YouTube uh, video, and it was it was like a surprise, and you had something you wanted to tell your guest. And basically, you kept this pretty secret from like people who were close to you. Is that correct? Yes. Um, and I'll tell you why. Um, well, you know, first off, the initial diagnosis was a lot to deal with. Um, I actually had to go through a lot of therapy to get to the point of where I am today. I did see, uh, an oncology, um, therapist in clinic of the oncology clinic. Um, and that was very helpful. Um, I sought out various um, support groups. Um, and I also, this situation has strengthened my faith. <laughs> um, and I kept it secret because um, originally, even telling my family that was just, it was overwhelming. And, you know, it's like, you're the one that is going, I mean, I'm, it's like, I'm the one going through it, but you know, they are too. And I found myself having to comfort other people Uh, when I needed comfort. And especially (laughs) being a nurse, right. It it just came more natural to you and it was easier. I'm sure to comfort others, you know, than kind of deal with what were your, what was going on with you as well. Yes. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> but then you realize, you know, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, you had some self-reflection, I'm sure in that, like, I am, I am the one sick. I have a lot that I need to process. So, you know, let me just deal with my stuff first. Yeah. So that took some learning. It did. Growth <laughs> on your part as well. Um, yes. and, I'm, and that didn't come easy, you know, with all the things that you've gone through. I mean, but what, what do they say? It takes conflict for us to grow you know, grow and mm-hmm. hard times for us to learn about, you know, what, what our strengths are, I guess. Uh, and it sounds like you have. Yes, definitely. It is. It's definitely changed me. <laughs> I can but, definitely say that. So all the while this is going on, um, was there like um, a person that you can speak to like a, a military person? I, I it seems, you know, I, I guess when people get injured, right, uh, from war or something like that, they go to the, um, uh, why can't I think of it? The, oh, the WTB. The Warrior WTB. Transition. You, you, yeah, yes, the Warrior Transition Unit they go to where they can deal with all the, um, you know, the medical appointments. They have a case manager that help them, you know, gu- guide them through all the things, all the appointments they have to go through. Was there that an option for you? So for me, um, however, um, you know, for me being in school and if anyone knows me, (laughs) I think you met me when I was a, probably a PFC, a specialist back in the day. Yeah, I was um, a sergeant. You were a sergeant. Give me I was a sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, back then, I had plans and goals for myself. So I actually shadowed some great people in the OR. And that's when I decided that I wanted to become a CRNA. And so I took the steps to, to um, become an, a registered nurse and, you know, go through AECP program. Um, I became a critical care nurse. I went through so many steps, you know, took that GRE. (laughs) Um, And it's like, I thought it was just like 2018 before my diagnosis. I was just like, oh, this is such a great year for me. Like I was recognized. I got great awards, MSM and um, did the junior leadership conference, the old CJ ready. Um, I got to do a lot of courses that I've always wanted to take. (laughs) And I landed the school that I worked so hard to get to. So um, this diagnosis threw everything off track and um, I declined going to WTU because and it probably wasn't the best thing because in my mind, you know, I'm going to get back into school because I, I mean, although I withdrew from school to take care of my, you know, personal medical needs, I was also given the opportunity to, you know, come back the next year with no questions asked because this is beyond my control. So, um, I did not go to the WTU, but I did have, um, you know, some of the same resources. And I mean, I knew where to get my resources. Um, um, but if if you had any advice for maybe non-medical people mm-hmm. or non-medical person going through something like you did, it, I, you know, what resources would would you recommend or definitely, you know, start at the W, the Warrior Transition Unit? Yes, I would say start at the, w, at the WTU, the Warrior Transition okay. Unit. Um, they do give you, I, I was unaware at the time, mm-hmm. but um, they do offer a plethora of resources that I didn't even know I needed, honestly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, why would you, right? You, you, were, you were a super soldier. <laughs> you had made it to your dream destination. You know, so in your mind, like you said, you had made plans. You were going back to school the next year. Right. So, and, and 
when you were told, you know, stage four, is that when you were like, oh, oh man, like what's next? Or were you still, you know, planning, you know, to return to school that, that next year? I, I guess when when was, became a reality that this might, the military may not be, you know, the um, the future, I guess you can say. So um, I would say it became more of a reality when I um, was going through the med board process and they, it was so crazy because, I mean, I know, I have known of someone who had cancer and was able to, I mean, there still are people, but was able to get back to work, you know, go through their therapy, um, even stage four, and they were able to continue uh, with their military career. Um, but it was about, it could have, I think at that time it was like six months prior, it was like less than a year prior, they changed regulations. And it was at a time where they were really trying to downsize in the military. Um, and so it just didn't work out on my behalf. Um, another factor that I say did not work out to my benefit would be, um, I think your position or, okay, so my AOC and like my job at the time played a major role because, um, because I was deemed non-deployable um, and I was a student at the time. I think that did not help my case. Whereas I know um, someone else who had a similar amount of years, no, they did not have cancer, but their biggest issue was readiness and non-deployability. But this person happened to be an instructor at the time and they allowed this person to stay in. So. So basically you just never know. So yeah, like right. you can't base your experience or you getting medically boarded outside of the military to someone else's because we really don't know what the needs are at the time or right. what, the job they're do what the job they're doing. It's not just black and white. And then, right. like you said, at that point, they're trying to downsize where, you know, right. six months, they're trying to, you know, beef, beef up the military. So exactly. You know. It's all and, about timing and stars aligning the right time for you. <laughs> right. So you just never know. Man, so it really didn't hit you until you're getting medically boarded out. How long was that process from, you know, yeah, how long? Because I hear it's, you know, uh, I think about six weeks or six months or something like that. But was it a pretty quick process or a long process for you? So um, it could take about six months if you are, if you want to get out the military, but if um, you want to, you know, file for like a rebuttal and plead your case of why you should stay in the military, um, the process takes a little bit longer. Um, you can do appeals. And I believe along the process, you, you do, uh, I believe up to three appeals okay. and uh, basically that last appeal, I'm sorry, just a second. <laughs> Had to take care of my son for a second. Um, okay. Where, so did you, um, appeal your process? I did ap appeal my process and, um, basically, um, some of the issues that they found for me was the fact that if I had to deploy, which I had not deployed in seven, like nearly 17 years wow. <laughs> and I was in, in school, <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, and I was in school and, you know, wasn't going to deploy for another three years and then another one after that. Um, but, you know, they, they have to go through that rundown. Um, if I was to deploy and they, they would have like scenarios, like if you, the, do, are you on medications that you um, 
need to take every day? And if there's a delay in your medication getting to you, would it negatively affect you? And basically the answer would be yes. Um, and then another issue was, um, they were saying like the frequency of how, you know, how often I have to go to the doctor. And for me, in my mind, I was like, well, I'm always at the doctor. <laughs> I'm a nurse. <laughs> you know, right? like, so I have access. Okay. I can go anytime <laughs> I want. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, if I need labs, I could draw them myself. Um, you know. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, really. But other nurses um, listening, don't do that. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that at all. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, though, they just give you those scenarios and, you know, it, it just wasn't enough for them. Um, and, and honestly, I could, I don't think I probably would have deployed. It was just something that came up that they had to ask because right. of this new diagnosis. Right. No. I, okay. All right. From a military standpoint. So um, you were ultimately they decided to medport you out at 17 years. Is that correct? Correct. And during that point, did it ever, I mean, did it set in and give you enough time to get things situated? You know, cause I'm sure you weren't, it doesn't sound like you were ever planning to get out. So, you know, it's kind of like what's next for you after the military. Right. Um, so I would say yes and no um, that I didn't have time, but then I did because, you know, I'm a, I'm a planner. So I always have to keep something in the back of my mind. Like, yes, I don't want this to happen, but if it does, what am I going to do? Right. Right. So, I mean, I did line up some things as, you know, as a backup plan of what I would do if I didn't, if I no longer had a job. And, um, and then COVID hit. <laughs> mm, right. Twisted everyone's world. <laughs> right. Golly. So, um, you didn't have a plan for that then. <laughs> right? Like I had this plan, COVID hit, and then I was back to the planning board again. Right. I was back in the planning form, but right. I mean, I still had somewhat of a backup plan, but it wasn't to the extent of where I was going to be. Like, I felt like I was going to be a hundred percent. Okay. Because I'm a, I'm a critical care nurse by trade. And, mm -hmm. um, I do have a compromised immune system because I do take chemotherapy medications mm -hmm. and it's not safe for me to work in my job. Right. It's not. Um, so I, I did, um, you know, in the meantime, create a business where I was able to have additional income. And then I was uh, medically retired, which it wasn't a lot. Um, it's not the same as, you know, retiring, but um, it does provide some income. So I've and been you fine. Still, <laughs> and you still get all the same treatment, medical treatment that you did while on active duty. Yes. Okay. And, and you know, oh, uh -huh. go ahead. Oh no, I was like, and you're staying, you you're staying with the same team. Like you didn't have to get out. And then you know, it seems like there's sometimes a lag between being retired and getting medical treatment with the VA and you know all that. But is was it pretty se seamless for you as far as your transition? And yes, your it was. Yeah, it was pretty seamless. Yeah, I do have my my um, same primary care team. Okay. The only thing I had to change is like, you know, uh, my dependents can no longer okay. go to like the clinic where they used to go, um, okay. you know, outside the hospital. Okay. Um, good. But because um, I, I also have, you know, the TRICARE. Um, mm -hmm. I pay for TRICARE mm -hmm. as an additional option. I actually don't go to the VA. Okay. Um, Okay. Well, that's good. So not a lot of disruption in your medical care then. And just one question. I just thought I thought of it. How long did they say you have to be on medication? So um, I, my current treatment plan, they said I would continue with it until 
something else happens. And um, I, I will say one thing about cancer research, um, the medication that I'm on does allow me to walk around without question um, because the, the chemotherapy that I'm on is a targeted therapy. So it's not cytotoxic. I still have my hair. Um, I, my, my immune system is a little, is, is compromised, but not as much as I was taking the cytotoxic IV chemotherapy uh, medications. Um, so honestly, I was able to hide the fact that I had cancer for so long mm -hmm. because you can't see it. <laughs> right. It's not the, the patient that people think when they think of cancer. Correct. Hmm. Okay. So. And has there been any new updates with your progression of the, the cancer at all? So initially when I, um, started the medications and after my diagnosis, I was told that the next exam, so it's like every three months when I have the pet, uh, mm -hmm. pet scan, mm -hmm. that my lesions did shrink in size. Um, since then, uh, basically, yes, I'm definitely <laughs> thankful for that. Uh -huh. Um, but since then, I am considered stable. Okay. Well, that's um, good. I'm like, I'm waiting for a butt. <laughs> but no, that's yes, yes. Yes. Oh, that's I awesome. Am, I am so thankful for that. Um, uh -huh. I, so, I mean, and that's been for two years and I, I'm right. not complaining about that. Um, uh -huh. I, but I am also, because it's been so long and, you know, personally, I want to see if there's something else that can be done, uh -huh. um, I am now getting ready. Well, I've started um, the consultation, but um, I'm going to see functional um, a functional medicine provider. Okay, who um, it gives like an integrative approach to medicine, both natural, like holistic therapies, and it you know in conjunction uses your traditional medicine therapies and i have heard um great outcomes um to include some um people with stage 4 cancer who have been in remission because um i've i've been told that um you know it's not curable for one mm. and what's not uh, curable the the bone cancer or the Stage four, so, are stage the four, okay. Stage four, okay. the stage four cancer is not curable, and um, I do have a better outlook than what I was told initially. Um, but I was given uh, five years to five years is the average lifespan for someone diagnosed with stage wow. four cancer. Yes, and so you were you were set down and told, "Here's your diagnosis, and here's your prognosis of you have about five years." Exactly. Holy. Devastated. <laughs> Depressed. I, I would have fell to the floor. I mean, what, I, what was your reaction? Oh, I, I was so depressed mm -hmm. <laughs> for many, many months. Um, I gained so much weight. I, I was just so depressed. And um, I will tell you the one thing that gave me hope is actually, even though I had gone to other group um, sessions, um, there is a website called Health Unlocked. And on that website, there is um, a group of individuals where, who I think is various um, health conditions, but you can choose from you know, breast cancer, then it will go into what type of breast cancer you have, like the classification. So I'm ERPR positive, HER2 negative. So ERPR is the estrogen and progesterone. So that's positive. And then HER2 is usually the genetic link type of cancer. Um, so I was negative for that. Um, so it will give you that as an option, so it breaks it down, further breaks it down into what stage are you? So you stage four, and then it breaks it down to what medications are you on? And so then it puts you in a group chat 
of a, mm. a group of individuals in the same situation as you are. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. And so these ladies, like I chat with an inbox, um, you know, every once in a while, I just go on there. It's not a, all the time, but I'm telling you, they gave me so much hope where, um, you know, where they had lifestyle changes, um, you know, they have positive stories, you know, and if, if someone is having a bad day, you know, we encourage them. Um, and what I felt like in the support groups organized at the hospital, it, it wasn't for me. Um, mm-hmm. At the, the time, the session, I, I went to one session there um, because it was a group of ladies. I was the youngest <laughs> with breast oh, cancer. Wow. It was a breast cancer support group. I was the youngest and there was like ladies and who were like 70 and 80 years old, honestly. Oh, wow. And they were, they were telling me, they're like, I just, like one of them was like, I just finished my last round of chemotherapy and I'm cancer free. And another one is like, um, you know, I'm going to have my, my surgery. And I think I only have to do two rounds of chemo. And so here I am like, almost envious like I wish that was me (laughs) right and you're the youngest person oh man so that's another (laughs) kind of slap in the face like what kind of support group is this (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I never went back and so I'll get that um website and that'll be in the show notes as well if anybody wants to check it out um man Cassie like we can I probably probably because I'm medical as well. I'm getting really into specific with my, my questions, but I mean, this is really good information. I mean, it's been very detailed, you know, and especially informative for anyone who may be just diagnosed, you know, with, with cancer are, um, you know, as of kind of what to expect. So thank you. I mean, I'm sure this wasn't easy for you to, to talk about, even though, you know, someone may say it's been two years, but you're, this is a day-to-day battle for you. Uh, And there hasn't, there's no end at this point, you know, you're still searching for, you know, the next thing and you're doing well and thankful for that. I'm so grateful that you are, you know, feeling good today. Um, Thank you. And your, your diagnosis is stable and I'm definitely cheering you on. I mean, is there anything that, I mean, how can we support you? How can we support other women like you? Um, is there anything that you can think of um, for us listeners? Um, I would say um, a few things. Donate to cancer research because um, the medication that I was um, prescribed actually came out three years prior to my diagnosis. And um there's actually, usually they do the reanalysis for life expectancy for um, individuals after five years um, of a certain treatment. So we just hit that five-year mark. And honestly, I the last meeting I had with my provider was a little more encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, he was saying once um, on this medication have shown those who get to the three-year mark without... Um, additional growth it's looking like they're not in the clear but they have better outcomes so you're almost I, there i am almost there and i'm hoping i get there you will praying girl. i get there so absolutely i mean um, yeah you will girl um, um i'll also if you could I, I i will post more videos i have been slacking but if you could uh check out my youtube channel like and subscribe it's called chronicles of a cancer and i talk about um my initial diagnosis i go over the good bad and ugly about breast cancer and you know my progress and i try to just share more information give more education to individuals so please check that out well, is there anything else that you like to say uh, that I haven't touched upon before we in this call have taken up so much of your time? <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> no, you're fine. 
Oh, no. I, I thank you so much, Sharika, for having me here um, to speak about this. No, thank, thank you. you for agreeing, like agreeing to it, because, you know, I know it's definitely not easy um, at all, you know, and, and thank you for sharing this with with me and with the, the listeners. And man, you are amazing and inspiring. Uh, definitely, everyone um, subscribe to Cassie's YouTube channel, The Chronicles of a Cancer. Uh, donate to cancer research and and that website was health unlocked right yes health unlocked all right health unlocked so um thank you cassie uh for coming again stopping by the, the military woman's podcast and um we'll see everybody or next week <laughs> all right <laughs> thank you wow what an interview i'm not sure how i'll manage that without just tearing up and, and bawling out crying but listening to Cassie's strength her will and the hope that she has I mean she's an inspiration she's a superwoman and I am so honored that she spent some of her time to share her personal story and and what what's it like living with stage four cancer so please 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 everyone donate to cancer research check out the show notes for some resources if you are you know going through something similar as Cassie uh, please reach out if you have any questions or are you looking for particular resources and you can follow me at the military woman on Instagram or on Facebook at the military woman so thank you and stay tuned for the next show